Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by something we never ever talk about on this show. We are a uh, this is by design, the Goldcast. We don't really like to talk about politics or even when politics come into play with. Uh, our sports teams, you know, we didn't really touch the Kaepernick stuff during all of it. Um, and that is by design. We try to kind of keep this really just focused on sports and the entertaining stories that we have surrounding our teams, winning and losing, mainly stick to that stuff. We're not a hot takey podcast. That's not our style. Having said that, uh, tomorrow, if you're hearing this, it's most likely November 3rd. And regardless of who your political affiliation is, we cannot stress enough how important it is that you get out there and vote. Definitely, definitely get out there and vote. Express your right as an American citizen. Go out there and vote. We don't care what party you vote for. We don't care what you want to vote for, what ballots, what measures, whatever it is, whatever you want, but just get out there and vote. This is an extremely important election and your voice needs to be heard. Anything you want to add to that, Ray? Uh, I th- nothing more to add uh, that you uh, so eloquently put. So I don't care if you guys want to vote for a banana. Just get out there and exercise your right. That's what it's there for. It's important to do it every year. Um, so make sure that you're doing your part to voice your opinion on how you think uh, the country should proceed forward. And no bias here. Just do do what is your right uh, if you have taken the responsibility to register yourself to vote and go ahead and exercise that right tomorrow because that is a nice privilege that not a lot of con- not all countries have um, the right to do. So definitely take advantage of that. Absolutely. And then we want to also address the video, our Seahawks mega episode. If you listen to us on the podcast, you got to see it. But if you went on the YouTube, it was curiously absent. And that is unfortunately due to a random malfunction of the video right through the middle of Johnny Dale's section. Louis B's section was fine. The first like 20 minutes of Johnny Dale's section is fine. But unfortunately, the rest of it was not. And so we were unable to use that footage. We apologize to anyone that went to the YouTube channel and said, where the hell is this video they keep promoting? Uh, it was just one of those kinks. And, uh, yeah, just a software glitch, nothing, nothing that anyone did on our end in particular, just sometimes the software glitches out and there's nothing you can do about that unless you re-record the entire episode, which it's really hard to do because we have to align these schedules, you know, they're, they're predetermined and set in stone at certain times, you know, that, that we have uh, to work with and also that our guests have to work with. So it's not an easy thing to just sit there and re-record, you know, another 30, 45 minutes worth of talk that you just did. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, but we did, we did the, all, all the audio is intact. So that's the good news. And you're still able to hear Johnny's amazing, beautiful voice and as well as ours. So you still got to hear us talk about our, our, uh, optimism for the game, despite what actually ended up happening. <clears throat> Absolutely. We're going to get into that right now. Uh, but before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where they can find us? You can follow us on Instagram at the Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever podcasts are syndicated. You can find our show, The Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly want to get your take 
on everything that we are going to talk about today because there are some interesting conversations to be had despite the more somber episode these are never the e these are the hardest episodes for us to do but regardless of the outcome that happened on sunday there was still a lot of things that dropped on monday to keep the conversation going as to how this team is going to either salvage the remainder of this season as well as perhaps contemplating uh, player movement because there certainly was movement on Monday. Absolutely. We're definitely going to talk about all of that. A tough, tough loss. And once again, the feeling of this season feels a lot like it did three weeks ago. And uh, we're going to unpack all of that. Your professor of fanalism. I'm in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game. He's in the building too. Classes in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom! Raymond, oh man. I don't even know where to begin. We ended last week's episode very optimistic. Uh, I believed that the Niners were going to win by three. Uh, I believe you and Johnny Dell. Thank you, Johnny Dell, for coming on the show. We will get his face on here very soon to do a whole midseason recap. That is happening. But we believed that we, you guys said that we, we were going to win within a touchdown. We thought that the defense of Seattle or lack thereof, would be the real difference in the game. But the real difference in the game actually turned out to be our very porous O-line, uh, the injuries to Jimmy G and George Kittle. Uh, Kittle looks like he's probably out for the season. And it pretty much turned into like our worst nightmare, which was all of our guys going down and us having no chance. I thought some of Kyle Shanahan's play calling was a little... Suspect, uh, especially in the first quarter, felt like he was maybe doing a, a little too much. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the play with Jimmy G going out to wide receiver. I thought that was one of the strangest plays I've ever seen uh, Kyle Shanahan pull off. And I, I don't even think Jimmy G did a very good job to sell it. I don't understand with a high ankle sprain, are you putting him at wide receiver? Who believes that Jimmy G with a high ankle sprain is going to do anything at wide receiver? Um, but I digress. I'm not really one to – Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's forgotten more football plays than I'll, I'll ever even begin to grasp, not even 1% of what he knows. So, But having said that, just from an outsider looking, I thought that was a weird play. Uh, Raymond, this game uh, quickly got out of hand, and in the third quarter, I believe it was the third quarter, Jimmy G went down with another high ankle sprain, and the 49ers brought in Nick Mullins – Nick Mullins provided a little bit of reprieve. He ended up earning us 20 points in the fourth quarter alone to save us some some type of respect. The final score of this game was 27-37 in favor of the Seahawks. Um, but ten, the, while it was a 10-point, only a 10-point difference, the uh, the game itself was far more brutal than the actual score. I mean, the actual final score shows uh, a tough, tough game and obviously leaving us with a lot of questions on what exactly is going to be 
the remainder of this season. What is the outlook for Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, Steve Young had some some pretty choice words to say, uh, not criticisms, but just some observations that we'll be discussing and unpacking here in real time, coming from you know the, one of the Niner goats. And so, uh, but Raymond, let's get to your thoughts and feelings first on what ended up being a really really brutal game. Well, I thought that the defense actually played really good in the first series against Seattle. Really stifled the run game, sacked Russell Wilson. It was great. They were fast. Um, they played tight coverage and really and they also played contained too. So that was great to see and Seattle was already hurting in the running back department. And they didn't necessarily do all that great. I mean, they needed, you know, five different runners, including Russell Wilson, just to surpass 100 yards rushing on the day, which, by the way, was just 101 at the end of that contest. Um, But Jimmy G looked just as uncomfortable throwing in this game as he did in the Miami game for some reason. Uh, Even though he was several weeks removed from that game and played significantly better, in the previous two weeks, but for some reason just kind of seemed like he was again stepping off that foot, as Mark Schloreth pointed out in the color commentary booth, that Jimmy was obviously not stepping, planting on his back foot and getting power into his throws, and as a result, throw that horrible pick that was forced over to George Kittle, and that led to uh, seven points, and then there was the fumble uh, later on, that also led to um, a pick. That was like, I think, four or five turnovers in this game. I mean, Jamichael Hasty's fumble ended up getting overturned because the, f- the first player to touch the ball was out of bounds. And um, by rule, it's a dead ball at that point. But, you know, that was still Dante Pettis got knocked out, fumbled the ball. That led to a score. The difference in this game in terms of scoring, at least, was the turnover battle. Um, we lost the turnover battle convincingly, and that ended up being the difference in points. Uh, we got ten; they got ten points out of those turnovers, and that was the difference in the game. So even if they hadn't gotten that, you know, they still would have won the game by at least a field goal, three points. But it would have been a much closer contest at that point. We really couldn't get anything going on the run. Although Tevin Coleman looked great. In the opening series, he was averaging 6.7 yards per carry. But then on that third carry, something happened and he hobbled back to the sideline and we never saw him again. Jamichael Hasty was a looked like a rookie uh, in this game, averaging only 2.4 yards per carry and one touchdown. Jarek McKinnon was uh, not so great on the ground. Again, negative uh, 0.03 yards in the game. He was much better in the passing game. He caught four balls for 40 yards, averaged 10 yards uh, uh, reception. So that was great to see from him. But this was really Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne's game because everyone else went down. And uh, if you had and Brandon Ayuk in fantasy, by the way, that was a that was a good day for you. I know it was for me. <laughs> So, but um, that was really the only bright spot I saw in this game. Defensively, our corners just kept getting burned. Uh, DK Metcalf had his way. Just amazing speed. He's obviously taken a great leap in his polish this season, and he definitely looks like, you know, a Pro Bowl wide receiver this year. 
and he showed lots of flashes last year, but there was a lot of undiscipline last year. But this year we're seeing a lot, a much more refined version where he's tightened all of those mechanics up. And that big run, the first score he had where no one could just seem to catch him, that's like stuff that honestly reminds me of like Terrell Owens because Terrell Owens was big, but he had amazing speed, great, great yards after the catch, just really, really tough to bring down. And that's what we saw today out of DK Metcalf. But I don't really want to sit here kind of uh, kissing any more ass of the Seattle Seahawks. The point is that the Niners played like shit and were never ever really. I felt like after the Jimmy G pick, that's when really things spiraled out of control and got out of hand. And the Niners were never able to recover. Nick Mullins salvaged some dignity with the 20 points in the fourth quarter. But by then, the damage had been done. The defense was gas, and there was no stopping Russell Wilson and company at that point. And it was just really, really difficult to watch. I actually stopped watching because I knew, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fair weather fan, but I know a blowout when I see one. And, uh, and I knew that was coming. And I, I just, I hate losing with a passion. I hate, remember, I remember, I hate losing more than I li- love winning. <laughs> so to sit there and endure a loss of that caliber, I was just like, I'm not going to do this. I, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to swallow, just going to swallow this pill. And, you know, I feel like, I feel like um, the Niners, I feel like they're, they're like the crew in the Nostromo in the 1979 horror classic Alien. And I feel like the Xenomorph is the injury bug just picking off crew members on our ship one at a time. (laughs) Every week someone goes down and doesn't seem to return. Jimmy G is most likely going to be done for... I would guess six to six to eight games. So either from we'll either get him back in the that's practically the whole season. Well, George Kittle, George Kittle's officially done for eight games. He's on long term IR. That means that's the rest of the season. So eight games is the rest of the season, unless for some uh, osmosis miracle they make it into the wild card. Then sure we can get George Kittle back for the playoffs. But I don't really see that happening at this point. I see again. The team wins some, the team loses some. Right now, they're four and four. Again, this is, I think, they're right now, because of the injuries, that just, it's just, it's weird how it's like, I'm not, I'm not really superstitious about this kind of thing in sports, but it just seems to like not want to go away. Every week, somebody has to go down. And, um, it's just really frustrating. I know it has to be infuriating for Kyle Shanahan and the staff to watch us like, why cannot, why can't these guys stay healthy? We bring back Tevin Coleman. He has a great week of practice, three carries knocked out of bounds. The knee goes out and now he's done. I don't understand it. Uh, I, but, uh, you know, baseball has weird trends like this too, because it's a long season, but football is a much shorter season. And so this, this anomaly of injured players, I just don't get it. Two out of the last three seasons with Kyle Shanahan has just been an absolute train wreck of injuries. And I don't necessarily know how they're supposed to get out of that. We already fired all the staff that got us into the mess the first time. What do you do? Fire the entire staff again and get a whole new director. I don't get it. I I don't know. I'm kind of out of answers on this one. I really am too. I honestly have no idea either. I don't know what the answer is, and it's the same thing. I be- I agree with you. We are supposed to have this brand new, super innovative staff that kind of is redoing the book on how all this works, and I don't really see any major improvement. So I'm not really sure what this is supposed to bring bring for us. Um, 
I think I agree with everything you said, and I think we might as well hit go right for the jugular right here. And we have to talk about Jimmy G. Uh, I know that a lot of people, a lot of fans are, you know, are it's it seems to be kind of really split, right? Like half are in support of Jimmy G, half are not. The problem right now, this is this isn't for me about Jimmy G's talent. This is about Jimmy G's ability to stay healthy. And right now, the plain and simple fact is Jimmy G cannot stay healthy. And of the last three years, he has only fulfilled his his contract of playing every regular season game one time. One time. He tore his ACL in game three against Kansas City in 2018. He's been in and out of the lineup uh, this year. And now he's gone for the next six games. And you just start to have to ask yourself, how exactly can we move forward with our franchise quarterback if our franchise quarterback can't play? Now, I, I am not saying that I'm not calling for Jimmy's head. I know it's not Jimmy's fault. It's uh, I know Jimmy wants to be out there more than anybody. This is his life. This is his career. Nobody wants Jimmy G to be on that field more than Jimmy G, uh, except maybe Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> but but having said that, how can how can we continue at this level without Jimmy G? Now, and here's the thing. You can't say that Jimmy G is just a system quarterback. You can't just say, well, you know, you know, he's it doesn't matter who's back there. Jimmy G's only good because of Shanahan. That's actually not true. Because no matter whenever Shanahan brings in Mullins or Bether, their success is limited to very little or nothing. So it's he's not like a magic wand maker that anyone he puts back there is instantly turns into a great quarterback. Jimmy G is as important to the system as Kyle Shanahan is in this current regime in this current time. He is as important. This team kind of lives and dies win-wise by Jimmy G. So the question is, what do we do with a quarterback that can't stay healthy? How do we address this? This is such a unique situation for us that I can't really think of another time if this has happened, at least under my 49er watch. And in fact, Ray, I want to share some, some things to you that Steve Young said that I thought were pretty, uh, were pretty insightful. So... Uh, so he said at this point with those two going out in reference to Jimmy G and George Kittle, I think going back to the Super Bowl is not going to happen. <laughs> that, that was, that was, that was evident before, but <laughs> before that, before they went down. But yes, if you want to put a stamp on it, uh, uh yeah, Steve is correct. <laughs> Absolutely. He said, how do we get into a playoff picture? You've got to go six and two from here. Look at the teams they've got to play. They got the bills. They got to play the, they got to play in the division. They got to go to New Orleans. This looks like a disastrous year. Then he said, da, 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 it, it creates a focus on the one question coming into this year that you had about the 49ers. Can we get to a place where Kyle Shanahan, this innovative offensive coordinator, one of the best head coaches in the league, can find a quarterback that he, he can trust and be expansive with rather than protect? I think that's been the issue with Jimmy. I think that, Twenty-five million and a sh- twenty-five million dollars and a shrinking salary cap with this injury, I don't know how Jimmy ends up being the quarterback for the 49ers next year. The last thing he said, which I wanted to pull, because kind of they're getting different quotes from him from the same interview, because this is always all, all on NFL Countdown. Uh, he said one more thing. I want to pull it up. He said this: uh, "It's about the relationship between Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy." That's what matters. They created a system that Jimmy can be successful in, 
but it's not the system that Kyle wants to run. Kyle's going to be the coach there for 10 years. He'll be one of the long-term coaches when he's finally done. Does he want Jimmy to concoct an office for him? Or does he want somebody who can actually be expansive and do all the things that are that are in my brain rattling around, he's saying, thinking as Kyle Shanahan. He goes, that's what Kyle wants to do. So interesting words from Steve Young. And here's my take on it, and then I want to hear your take on it. Okay, I get what he's saying, but here's the problem. Here, here, here's the issue. Here, here is why we don't have those answers. Can Jimmy G is is Jimmy G a quarterback that that Kyle Shannon can be expansive with versus protect versus help? You know, can can, can Jimmy G pull off all the things that are rattling inside Kyle Shanahan's brain? As Steve Young said it, right? Well, Raymond, here's the answer. We don't know. He's never playing. He's been on the bench. He's been on. He's been on IR for two seasons. Two of the last three. We don't know. You know, uh, th- that's the problem. And I, I've been saying this the whole time. Like, you're looking at Jared Goff. He looks decent. But you know, we've gotten four straight years of Jared Goff, so we we know what we're getting with him. And now we know, right? Russell Wilson's been around for ten years. We know what we're getting with him. We don't know what we're getting. Where's the floor? Where's the floor with Jimmy? Where's the ceiling with Jimmy? What's the best he can do? What's the worst he can do? I don't know. Well, the worst he can do is get injured and not be on the field at all. <laughs> that's. I guess you're right. That is, you know, and that's really where we're at. So this isn't a. For me, this isn't about uh, criticizing Jimmy. I don't think Jimmy's done anything wrong. I, I think Jimmy's played like a guy who's been injured for most of the season, and uh, I also think that. This this lack of consistency over the last three years has hindered the, his either progress. Like we don't, I don't know if we have a great quarterback inside there or if we've got an average quarterback inside there. I don't know which one we have because I haven't. I don't see Jimmy play enough, long enough to see him actually either evolve or crash. And that's typically what happens with these quarterbacks, right? You either evolve or you crash. And Jimmy can't do either. He's stuck in this loop because he can't get on the field long enough to really develop any type of long-term consistency and really answer the questions we have about Jimmy G and whether or not Jimmy G is truly the franchise quarterback that we need going forward. And that's the toughest part. Anyways, I want to pass it on to you. That's my thoughts on it. Uh, hit me up. What do you, where do you? Where are you at? What did you think after you hear what Steve Young had to say? Well, you know, Steve Young, Steve Young's very passionate about the team and he's definitely got, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there was a lot of rational points he made, but there was also a little bit of fandom coming out, you know, the passionate fan, you know, kind of starting to get into panic mode. And I heard a little bit about that. And, uh, I think, uh, I think Jimmy comes back next year. I don't see him. I don't see them getting rid of him unless there's some crazy prospect in the draft, and we unless we like completely tank the season, and you know fall into a position where one of the one of the top quarterback draft prospects is able to come out of there. Then yeah, um, then maybe maybe we do move on from Jimmy, or maybe we move another quarterback and move Jimmy down the depth chart. I mean again, the the way his contract is structured allows the 49ers to move on without taking a really big cap hit. Quan Alexander's trade, which happened today with the New Orleans Saints, takes a bigger dead cap hit than Jimmy G's does because Jimmy G's is very team-friendly. Uh, 
I think it's $2.8 million in dead cap if we move on from Jimmy this year. I'm not sure what it is next year. Um, uh, just just to compare for comparison's sake, Quan Alexander, our middle linebacker, former middle linebacker, that dead cap space hit is seven million, but we also saved sixteen and a half million uh, out of that deal. By the way, we'll we'll we'll, we'll revisit that in a second. But I think um, I think there is frustration because Jimmy G, to me, Jimmy G is an above average quarterback. Uh, he has the intangibles and the skill set to do it. He's got enough mobility again tom brady doesn't move his ass in the pocket whatsoever and still gets and has six rings under his belt um so obviously you don't have to be super super mobile in order to succeed in this league even though that is where the trend is going the more athletic the quarterback the better the joe burrows the uh, the baker mayfields the the tuas the uh, even um Aaron Rodgers has been mobile his whole career. Russell Wilson is very mobile his whole career. Uh, Patrick um, Patrick Mahomes actually not as mobile um, as he uh, as he led on when he first came into the league, but he does not like to run. He's gone on record to say that he actually likes to throw. Imagine that guy in this in this offense. Uh, good night. I think it would be it would be more prolific than what we see Andy Reid doing. That's for sure. Um, but um, uh, to me, I think. Uh, Jimmy's just kind of soft, you know, in, in terms of durability. I think he, mentally he's tough, but physically he's not. He's just not. He can't take hits. Uh, his body's fragile. Remember, he busted his shoulder when he filled in for Tom Brady, when Tom Brady was serving that suspension. He, could not, he couldn't stay healthy for the four games that he was required to stay healthy. That's it. He just had to play a quarter of a season. And couldn't do it and injured his shoulder. He came over to us. He was healthy. Didn't he also break his leg? No, not in New England. It was a shoulder. It was a shoulder injury. Injury. Okay. He tore his ACL with us. Um, <laughs> That's true. So he was. He busted his shoulder. Traded for him. Got him the next year or that same year. I can't remember. Played five games straight and won all five games. Signed him to the big contract. Twenty eighteen tore his ACL week three. He was done for the year, came back in 2019, helped lead us to the Super Bowl, then comes back in 2020 and can't get over this high ankle sprain. And now he's done for a a long period of time. We're just going to see a whole lot of Nick Mullins and possibly C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins craps the bed, which can happen in any game, by the way. Um, That's that's the difference is, you know, Jimmy G, you knew you were getting some degree of consistency that was above the degree of consistency at, that Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard can can dish out but um, now we don't have that luxury we also don't have any weapons George Kittle's done Debo Samuel's you know week to week don't know if he'll play this Thursday on a short turnaround I expect more Kendrick Bourne and Brandon Ayuk this week but that's uh, different uh, you know we're not talking about previews right now and this week kind of odd because we have a Thursday game. Our Thursday recordings are on preview, so the schedule's a little funky this week for us. But um, but and and the running game. Tevin Coleman came back. He's injured. So now what happens? You go back to Jared McKinnon's tired legs and you know to Michael Hasty's rookiness. You know, that's uh, that's a liability there. Um, you have one who can catch the ball well, but can't run the ball well, and you have one who who hasn't you know done who's only got two looks in that last game for two yards in the passing game. That's Jermichael Hasty, 
and was not very good in the run game against a really shitty run defense that looked all pro. Of course, Seattle plays their best game against us defensively, and then it's just going to wet the bed the rest of the season until they play us again towards the end of the season. I don't, I just don't understand it, but, um, it's annoying that they play like shit all year, but then they always can put it together for us. Um, it's just annoying. And, and, you know, again, they, you know, they were the better team and they were also the healthier team. We were, we were not the healthiest team coming into that contest and that proved to, you know, keep us, keep us from ever getting into the conversation of being the better team because we were far from it. So, but I mean, I, I'm kind of ranting, but to go back and kind of put a cap on the, to put a bow on the Jimmy G conversation, you know, I, I'm inclined to think he's going to return next season, but it, um, but it, but if the Niners end up tanking the season, not intentionally, but just because they just have so many pieces gone that they can't pull out wins and end up getting a high draft pick again, then there is a chance they do draft a quarterback as an insurance because you know C.J. Beathard's probably not the answer, even though Kyle Shanahan likes him and believes in him and thinks that he's got, you know, a particular skill set that can be tapped into. You know, I don't see C.J. Beathard refining those skills and turning into something special. I just don't. And Nick Mullins, we all know, I know some people out there, friends of mine, like Nick Mullins, but I'm sorry. He's just as good as a backup quarterback. He is... He's a starter on like a really shitty team, but he's not a starter. You know, I just don't see him as a bona fide starter to help lead a team to a championship. Not that kind of guy. I mean, I get it. Rex Grossman, who's far inferior to Nick Mullins, you know, was rode the uh, the the back of the Chicago Bears defense to a Super Bowl. But uh, but, um, you know, those are those are that's an exception to the rule, um, not the rule. But yeah, I don't. I see Jimmy G coming back next year, and but uh, but I do have question marks as to whether he is the long term answer because he just can't stay healthy. That's the only issue with him. He takes a hit, he goes down. So I don't get it. He tries to run out of bounds, he tears his ACL. He gets tackled by. By the way, he got tackled by Kiko Alonso, the linebacker that we just got acquired from Miami. That is the one that messed up his shoulder uh, when he played for New England. Um. And by the way, we got a fifth round, unconditional fifth round draft picked out of that deal. So, but we get a guy who's 6'3, 239 pounds, and has torn his ACL three times in his career. So, good luck staying healthy on this team. Welcome, Kiko Alonso. <laughs> yeah, welcome. And uh, say a prayer and put like a little rosary next to that, that ACL because uh, it's, it's definitely in trouble. Raymond, but let's talk about the real culprits. This is kind of the people that have been buried in this conversation that no one really has mentioned, and that's an offensive line. It's their job to protect Jimmy G. Remember, what did, I, what did I say going into his first season? I've said this a million times. On Thanksgiving, when Jimmy Garoppolo's grandmother goes in for a kiss, I want an offensive lineman knocking her down. I mean, I don't. I want this guy to be the boy, the bubble boy. You know, the like the movie, the, the the bubble boy movie where John Travolta lives inside the bubble and he can't leave the bubble. Like uh, maybe you call maybe it's not the bubble boy anymore. Maybe it's quarantine boy. <laughs> I mean, Jim G's in quarantine at all times. No human contact. Like it's like he has COVID or like everybody has COVID and he can't touch anybody. You're so Jimmy G, the 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 unsung culprits not the unsung heroes the unsung culprits and all of this everyone wants to point to jimmy g well it's john jimmy g's job to protect himself out there that guy was getting pummeled out there how many sacks did we have on the day three sacks three sacks three 
three, not counting the tons of hits he got, too. Right. I mean, so, ton of them, left and right. It is the offensive line's job. As I said a million times, when his grandmother goes in for a kiss, I want to center there, pushing her down. And we were really acceptable up the middle, as we have been all year. And then they kept they kept getting us on that end, man. They kept burning McGlinchey. They got they burned McGlinchey several times on those big sacks over there. And uh, I was uh, I was pretty disappointed with the O line. The O line has one job: protect Jimmy G. That's the most important job. That is more important than opening a run hole. That is more important than any other part of their job, which is protect the quarterback. And they're the ones that are getting that are get that are getting away. They're getting out with far less criticism. Jimmy G's getting ten times more criticism for getting hurt. But what about the offensive line that's supposed to protect him? Those guys are supposed to protect him, and they did not. And I think that was probably one of the most disappointing parts of that game. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Wagner got two of those three sacks uh, on the day, and he also had uh, four quarterback hits. Four quarterback hits from him alone. There was a total of eight quarterback hits in addition to three sacks. So, you know, you do the math there. The O-line is playing like absolute trash. And um, I know we're missing some pieces that we didn't have last year. But uh, we also still have some pieces that played last year that for some reason are just regressed in, in terms of consistency. So I, I don't understand it. They, 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 they've just taken a huge step back this year. Part of it is health. Part of it is something else. I don't know exactly what that is. So I do know this, that any quarterback back there is going to be subject to some brutal hits, especially considering that we're on our third string center at this point that's definitely like i said they are definitely the unsung culprits in this i think they're the ones that have kind of gotten gotten out with the least amount of criticism but i definitely would think they need to share the line share this blame you know jimmy g's not there to protect himself and that's you know i've already said that you know i don't want to go in circles but absolutely (laughs) yeah it's literally not his job his job is to make plays for the offense it is the the offensive lineman's description on his w2 is to protect the quarterback <laughs> absolutely i believe it says protect jimmy g on the on every single one of those uh now that's going to say protect nick mullins um raymond i asked this tough question several weeks ago and i'm asking it again is our season over as far as uh our revenge season uh, the revenge season is completely 100% over. At this point, we're fighting for 8-8, eight and eight, um, and if we're lucky, 6-10. and ten. Or, I'm sorry, 10-6 uh, t- uh, is best-case scenario now. There is no other scenario that is a best-case scenario. Um, the dignified uh, record that we would love to end up with is 8-8, eight and eight, but I think right now we're looking more closer to 6-10. and ten. Oof. Ugh. That's what I think. That's where I think this is headed. Yeah. Yeah. I can hear Johnny Dell's heart breaking right now. <laughs> uh, yes. And his wife staying clear, very far and clear. <laughs> yeah. I, I am no fun to deal with on Sunday when the Niners lose. And like you, I actually took a 10 minute break. I took, I literally walked away for about 10 minutes from the game and then I came back and finished it. So it's just so much, man. It's such a bummer. Uh, Raymond, we're going to end on a one more positive note that is a wrap we will be back later with our preview episode of the week um but before we do that i want to talk about the return of the classic warriors oakland uniform the classic the the dark blue with the orange um i think this is also a little bit of a marketing ploy 
you know, the salty, salty East Bay fans are pretty upset that the Warriors are gone. The Raiders are gone. They feel like everyone's left them. And I think this is a little bit of a way of, of making them feel good. But I will say this. I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of it saying Oakland, but I'm a huge fan of those uniforms. I just like the throwback. What do you think about the uniforms? Eh, it's whatever. Anything. I mean, no offense to the city of Oakland, but they've just they've never been able to keep nice things in turn, you know, in regards to sports teams. So uh, why even have why even waste the fabric to stitch the word Oakland on those jerseys? Gosh, uh, any anyone who listens to us from Oakland, I think we just lost all of them right there. You did. So Dave Medina. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, I like them. I, I think, I think the uniforms are pretty cool. I'm okay with them. Uh, all right. What say you Goldcast nation? What can we do to salvage this season? Are we now tanking for a high draft pick? I mean, obviously we're not consciously tanking. This team is too prideful to ever do that. But, um, uh, last they're going to compete. Yeah. They're going to, we're going to fight the whole time. Even if we're going down every game, we're going to fight. the whole time. Oh yeah. But we're, we're fighting with a broken wrist. And a separated shoulder on the other arm. That's how we're punching right now. <laughs> uh, last last thing, Raymond, I forgot to ask you this question. I want to ask this question because I want to ask Goldcast Empire. Do we draft a quarterback? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, or do we find a way to get Dak Prescott when he heals? <laughs> it really depends on the record that we end up with and the draft position again. So that that's what I see. I'm not just going to throw it out there willy-nilly. I'm going to do this a logical, analytical way that the professor of analyst uh, or fanalism does, which is if we end up with a below 500 record, there's a chance we draft a quarterback. If we end up 500 in the mid-range, I doubt it. I think, we, think we're probably looking something closer to corner. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, now the question to you, Goldcast Empire, do the 49ers draft a quarterback? Is Jimmy G still on the roster next year? Uh, let us know in the comments. Go to youtube.com slash the Goldcast. Let us know right down there and uh, what you think. Do we draft a quarterback? Do the 49ers keep Jimmy G? Does he stay on the roster? Let us know. And so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Stay healthy. Take care of your bodies. Boom. That's right. Stay healthy. Take care of your bodies. And don't forget to vote. This is, this is the Gold Cast. <laughs>